0: Welcome to Defining Roles, a podcast about jobs you may have never heard of. I'm your host, Kate Barrett. Let's explore the possibilities of what's out there so that we can find a perfect role. All right, episode one of Defining Roles. Today we have my friend Josh on, and Josh is the Director of Media Strategy and Paid partnerships. He will go into what that means and explain the company that he works for. With that, let's get into the conversation. Josh, thank you. Welcome. Um, This is exciting. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first off, let's start. What is your official job title?
1: It is Director of Media Strategy and Paid Partnerships, which is... Okay not very specific. So I'll explain, I'll go one level higher. It it lives under a marketing department on, uh, on the brand side. And what that means is like, when you think of Procter and Gamble, when you think of Samsung, those are brands with marketing departments. My role lives within a marketing department for a peer to peer money transfer service. Does awesome. that
0: make sense? Yes. Okay. So how would you define your role? What what do you do?
1: Oof. It's uh the simplest way that I can explain it is anytime you see an ad anywhere out there in the world. Usually or my role is to think of or, or to develop the I don't want to well, I, I'll sure I'll say strategy. The thoughtfulness that Goes into everything that gets that ad placed there. So, what I mean by that is, depending on whether it's TV or an out of home billboard, magazine, you know, or a video commercial that's airing before you're going to watch something on Hulu, there's been the whole thought of like what program that ad appears in front of, what mm-hmm. person we want to reach, when we want to reach that person outside of that singular ad are there other ads out there in the world that continue to tell the brand story or to sell you a product? So my role is to figure out who that specific ad or who our brand needs to reach to accomplish a business objective and what's important to that person, what matters to them so that we can position ourselves or our service in a way that's like, hey, if you need X, Y, and Z, you should think about us for reasons A, B, and C. Um, and to do to communicate that message, my role is to figure out like what you care about most. Are you really into music? If so, my service can be something that can make your music experience when you go to a show, whenever that may ever happen again. Um, right. <laughs> to go to a show and say, I buy you beers, you want to pay me back for your beer? Like, I want you to know that my service is one that Will allow you to send me the seven bucks that what that it was that it cost right to get that beer. So I know that there was wow. a lot in there.
0: No, that's perfect. That's exactly exactly what we're looking for. Can we back up a little bit and look at some of the roles that you had leading up to that, or what what put you in the position that led to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I feel really lucky and fortunate to be in the position that I am right now, because I think my life's journey was to end up in the job that I currently have. But the way that I got here was really not how I ever, ever expected. So I fell into advertising and media and marketing uh, in college. When I got into a business school, I tried out finance, did an internship, hated it. knew accounting wasn't for me. Then my, my, my school also offered sports management, which is a highly competitive field. So I was like, that sounds really interesting, but I don't know that I can live in that world because people equate that field as hard and cutthroat as like fashion is. Right. So I was like, I love sports, not going to do that. So I ended up landing in marketing and what really fascinated me about it was the whole consumer and behavioral psychology behind it which partially was what got me to like to really focus and to try super, super hard. But when I graduated, I I just really just took whatever first job landed in front of me. And it was an ad sales job in which I was trying to get people to, um, to run a particular like ad campaign and get paid on whether someone actually bought a product or like filled out a form. And that is Kind of related, but it's it's a really it's a stretch. So yeah, uh, I was really miserable for about two years, but it helps me understand the marketing and media world so that I could just kind of start thinking about, oh, this this position isn't for me, but what what is it that I do want to do? What facets of this do I like? So I left that first job, and as I became familiar with with the ad industry and digital media, it, what really struck a chord to me was the folks who were leading brands, who were working, you know, doing media strategy or consumer marketing for an MTV or like an, a major league soccer. Like, those were the positions that just, I was like, oh my God, those positions are fantastic because they're looking at the entire spectrum of mm-hmm. who it is they're trying to reach, how they're trying to communicate to those people, what channels they're working across the nerdy, what I call the nerdy stuff because. I get really into it, which is the analysis of, of using data and surveying to understand what matters to people. And then looking at that in a cultural context, like um, what is the effect that the pandemic is having on I'm keeping the music on, on shows yeah. and how is behavior changing? So you marry cultural insights with data and surveying and you translate that into a communications platform, which is ultimately how you want a brand to appear out there in the world. So it pulled in once I realized that uh, there are agency jobs that do this as well. But when I think about um, how I could have done that, I was like, I, I was figuring out that if I could move from working on a small brand to a slightly bigger brand, to a bigger brand on the agency side, I could kind of, position myself and hopefully network well enough to to, to to always have this like sight set on this ultimate brand side job that allowed me to do everything that I really loved in college and that I learned along the way to love throughout my career. So I hope that makes sense. I know that I'm coming at you with really long-winded answers here.
0: They're perfect. That's exactly what I want. So just to explain, I know you personally. So I know what you do, but for someone that hasn't had the back conversation, you work with one company and you're in-house advertising, correct?
1: Correct.
0: Okay. Whereas before you worked for an agency where several different companies would come to you and you, not cookie cutter, but you had maybe a more standard way of approaching each business. Is that a good way to describe it? You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Awesome. So for you, I think you're getting at this question, but what what do you love about your current role versus working at the agency or what are some of the advantages? It sounds like there's so much psychology and human behavior that goes into the way that you approach advertising now. Is that specific to how your company does it and what they have found to work or is that advertising as a whole?
1: It really varies place by place. I'm currently working for a brand that loves data above all else. So anytime we have an agency trying to, or anytime I'm working closely with one of our agencies to to develop like a campaign strategic framework or a communications platform, what I've seen in the past, and especially at smaller agencies working with smaller pieces of business is if you can craft a really good cultural story where you can just kind of assess that um, what's happening in the marketplace. And and sometimes smaller agencies don't necessarily have that really a robust research tools available to them. You can really lean on like anecdotal insights, or you can even do some half-assed internet research and and find places that have published studies and and craft the story that way um and and Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that that's not valid at all but that's it's actually really resourceful um that that is one way in and there's no you you can kind of figure that out depending on the brand that you're working for or working with kind of how they like to operate i feel both fortunate and challenged that We oftentimes need to go out there and we have a research and analytics team that understands how people are using the service. So we can derive insights internally ourselves based off of how people are sending money to each other. The good thing is, is that that's not the end all be all. It's a very narrow view because it's only the people who are using the service. So we hire outside agencies to help with the outside perspective. Otherwise, I would just have blinders on and understand the people that use the service, but not maybe not be so adept at being able to adapt what's happening out there in the world or how other brands are even approaching it. And and that's why I think that agency jobs are really fun. Like working at agencies from my early 20s all the way to my early 30s, probably like 12 years. It's just wonderful to, to understand how a business like a TV network looks at how they want to appear out there in the world and the messages that they try to use versus a pharmaceuticals brand. Because even just, you know, you think about those two worlds as a consumer, they're wildly different worlds.
0: Right. That's so interesting, the comparison. So your role within your company, you get to help them create the identity that they want. And then you still use the agency to kind of have a pulse and a temperature on where you are within the marketplace and in relation to other companies.
1: Exactly. They're they're wonderful at competitive insights. And so is our research and analytics team. But it's it's like we have a big crew here with a variety Mm -hmm. of different points of view or data inputs that all come in. And it's up to myself, our CMO, our VP of marketing to kind of like pick and choose, filter what we think is important and have all those dialogues to ultimately land and we feel like this is the best road forward for achieving mm-hmm. what is important to us, which is the continued growth of people knowing what our brand is. We're a new brand. Wow. So it's about people knowing that we exist and where we exist. And then yeah. over time, it'll be, you know, trying to drive more usage and, you know, getting people to adopt it. It's just the sort of scenario of like, hey, step one on possibly using a service is knowing that it's actually there. So we're very young. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why we're having these conversations. That's why I wanted to start the podcast because I think part of knowing that you want to do something, you have to first know that it exists. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's really cool. Is how do you get in front of your audience so that they can find you? The people that want want to use the service can find you. So Josh, can we go into hard versus soft skills? So my question revolves around what makes you successful in your role? Are these skills that you've learned through previous jobs and training and going to school? And what are the skills, the soft skills that you're just innately good at that make you really good at what you do?
1: I love this question so much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I work in an industry that's highly highly social as you can imagine and as you've heard yeah like literally the social from understanding what people need and what they want um, for like the growth of our business but also social in terms of like I, I mentioned the teams that we work with and how they provide data inputs and that's a inter interacting with them is a very big part of the day-to-day and then also when we're going out there and we're actually placing ads on a buzzfeed a hulu who whatever sort of property or website. Like we also have those relationships with what we call vendors who are helping us craft activations and programs and rich ways for our brand to appear within their property. So there's also a really in-depth dialogue and ideation process that happens there. Ultimately, my job, I feel like above all else is working across all these relationships and all these data sources and all these creative ideas. So for me. And I mean, I've been in this industry for almost like 14, 15 years now. Um, I've met tons and tons of people along the way. And and I've met so many people who are brilliant when it comes to the way that they are methodical and and like really focused on, on data and really just kind of in about the numbers. And I've met people on the sales side who are really just you know, constantly pushing, basically, what I'm getting at is that I met every sort of personality. And a big part of my success, I feel like is having uh, a lot of the soft skills, or soft skills, like, you know, Mm -hmm. empathy, and being able to understand people and actually listen. And that perspective, I think has gotten me to where I've gotten to. Because I think a lot of people can just do the work that I do, take data inputs, try to come up with creative strategies. You have agencies and 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 yeah, you can be really good at your job. But I think my path of getting here through a bunch of just random life experiences, like being laid off in one career, trying a big agency and hating it, and then questioning whether I even want to do this, if it wasn't the relationships that I had and the people that I could lean on to for or really just kind of have an open dialogue with about what's best, where they think, where they feel the industry is going, like how are agencies surviving all this? Like where do they feel that my skills fit in best? Like those sorts of frank and open conversations and some of the relationships I've built in over the years. I think that's what really got me to to, to where I am because when it comes to the academic side of things, yeah, you can, you can work on a bunch of pieces of business. You can go to school, do tons of case studies and and just do the analytical work. And that's great. Like, I love people who are really academic about their work. But I think where right. the greatest work shines, even across all the agencies that I've worked with, and when we put anything out there in the market that everyone collectively feels proud of, it's, it's been that collective effort, all the dialogues, the understanding, the, the hard conversations, the fun conversations. And I think if you don't have that that willingness to really put yourself out there and be open and you know take in people and their perspectives, this advertising, media, marketing would get really hard for you if you can't see outside yourself. Oh, that's so good!
0: I think that's so good in all areas. I think of just being a person. Like, can yeah. you look outside of yourself and see where you fit? And I know you and I have. All the great conversations about, and we've seen the growth in each other over the last several years. So it's so fun. Um, but to hear how it's fit into your work life and that it just comes down to relationships is amazing. Is you, on your side, like, do you, what would, what advice would you give to people? in their jobs, as far as how do you work on that connection? Or how, how have you gotten to a point where you have seen personal life affecting work life? Or are they separate for you? Yeah.
1: It's, uh, it it's, it stresses me out to think of them as separate. And I used to think of them as separate. I feel like, I don't know if, if you were raised this way, but I certainly was raised with the notion of when you go to the office, nothing else matters. Like you go, you put your head down, you work really hard. When you come home, you check your baggage at the door, you're home with your person. And, and that is your other life. And I think, I don't know that a lot of, I don't know that humans are built to operate that way. Um, so for me, it's it's really hard to separate all the things. And that's not to say that I I. I you know, I I bring the baggage of my home life to, to the office. But sometimes, you know, you go through some stuff and you may not be feeling your best. And I'm really fortunate enough to work with people who I've known for years and trust to be able to have that dialogue and say, like, I'm having a tough go right now. Like, just want to give you a heads up. And you kind of work through those elements. Um. So, so yeah, for, for, for me, it's hard to separate. And I think uh, to get back to your original question of, like, how you get to that space in which you're open and, and comfortable and putting yourself out there and trying to build those relationships. I think it's really, it's really having trust in yourself. And, and again, that willingness to, to put yourself out there. I think if you can get to know someone, see what's important to them and connect with them on that level, you hopefully get that coming back your way. And it requires to have that. It requires you to have, to, to be able to trust yourself in any scenario and stay true to who you are and, 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 just kind of be open and try to put this is gonna sound cheesy but good vibes out there in the world because um, especially I don't know especially right now and I think a lot of people can understand when they're having a genuine human interaction with someone as opposed right. to having a dialogue with someone who's waiting for you to stop talking so that they can start talking themselves um and I th- so I, I would say that that, that that's been a, a big part of it but there are there are tons of scary moments especially when I was younger or when I was in a new role and I was in a meeting and I was like, I don't know that I have anything to say that's going to add here or being scared to be to, to be putting in my two cents because I'm the most junior mm-hmm. person at that table or it's a new position for me. And um, I did get the advice from, this is probably two jobs back. There was this, uh, this guy that I worked with uh, named Matt and he's probably one of the Greatest strategic thinkers I think I've ever worked with. And uh, it, I, I think he could tell that I wasn't so sure in myself, or he could what his feedback was that when I'm very much clear on something, or when I feel like I know something like the back of my hand, it's easy for me to jump in and provide my expertise or put my two cents in. But when there are conversations around, and this, like creative, for example, I'm not a creative director, I'm not a graphic designer those Mm -hmm. sorts of things are hard for me. So I would still get invited to those meetings and I would show up and I'd be at a table with a bunch of people that I think are fantastic thinkers in their field and super hyper creative. But I would be like, I don't know what I'm going to add here. And one of the best pieces of of advice that Matt gave me, it's like, know yourself, like trust yourself, believe in your self-worth. You're invited to those conversations. You're invited to meetings. You are in your position altogether, even if you get hired, like you're hired because someone trusts or they want to hear from you and they want to understand what your point of view is. So like raise your hand, speak up, even if it's a random idea. And I think what I started to realize over time is that like, yeah, my ideas probably weren't the best at times, but I was in a, I was in a forum in which, you know, I was brought in because people wanted to know what I was thinking. And I think that, that that I've carried with me, yeah. and it's been helpful.
0: That's so good. Just the fact that you're in the room means that you are. It's not an accident that you're there. You're there. Yeah. So, like, I love that. That's so good. Um, back to your role a little bit. What is your day to day or? Um, your role as far as how much you work alone, how much you work on a team with other people. Can we go through those details? Yeah,
1: totally. Uh, so right now I am a lonely Island. I'm the only media strategy person that works at this company. Um, okay. Yeah. Marketing is not a thing that this company was doing really up until about three years ago when we launched our, our peer-to-peer money transfer service. So, my day-to-day has been all over the place. I think, maybe, how do I best explain it? Uh, it can consist of a variety of different things. I, I, I And I'm going to rifle off probably like a handful of, of five different things that I okay. have been doing and then stop me, obviously, if you want to focus in on one a little bit more. But okay. so when I when I got hired, I had to think about, I had to review all the agencies that we worked with and see if. Uh, we felt like they were producing the best work for our future campaigns. So I got hired. I had to do like an agency evaluation. I moved to a different market. I went from New York to San Francisco. So I also got to like, I needed to do the research and understand what agencies were here and what their specializations were as part of this overall, just kind of like agency evaluation. And then uh, that was a giant chunk of my time. Um, But it was really nice because it allowed me to network throughout a new city. So life benefit there going with, or I guess like personal benefit and professional benefit. It was just nice to know other people in the field here, but it's not a big city. So I run into them every now and then, and that's pretty nice. Cool. Um, Other things, since I have a new job that didn't exist, I had to work with our contracts and our procurement teams to help them understand that, hey, there's a new function as part of this business. So I'm going to be asking them to sign agency contracts, sign vendor contracts with terms that they have never seen before, because my company is really like a data and security company. That's what they've been for 30 years. So wrestling with folks in a different department who don't necessarily understand what I do, that ate up a lot of time. Um, Yeah, to, to, to try to have them understand what, and this is going to get pretty nerdy like what an acceptable viewability rate is for a digital ad. That's like how much of the ad is on screen before yeah. you incur a cost. Like that to them was baffling. Huh. Yeah. And, and huh. okay, something that they've never <laughs> thought of. So there was a lot of, a lot of learning uh, for, for that team, a lot of teaching that I had to do um, that, that ate up a good chunk of my day to day. I want to say, this is a, another long winded answer, but, yeah, outside of that, my day-to-day will consist of trying to solve bigger business problems through advertising. So it's, as we kind of think of our brand growth trajectory, every year we have a new uh, a new goal for aided awareness, which is, okay, if you see five brands on a page, or I guess like, you know, you have A, B, C, D, and E, and each one of them is a brand. Mm-hmm. someone's asking you, which one of these five do you recognize? And if you can say our brand name, that's great. Cause that's, that means that like upon reading the brand name, you recognize it and you okay. know that we exist. So we're right. continuously trying to grow the amount of people that see our name and recognize us. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is working is, is taking a marketing budget, distilling it down to who we think is a, opportunistic audience for us to reach uh, in terms of getting this messaging in front of, and then assessing what they care about, what media channels we want to appear in, whether that's streaming video or like a digital, uh, like a billboard ad, like I mentioned um, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And then that probably eats up a good half chunk of my year Um, doing all the analysis, doing the strategic work with the agency, having them develop creative, coming back to us, to my VP and having all those dialogues and eventually building a campaign. Um, That's about half of the year. And then the other half of the year is also, once that thing is out there in the world, some things you can actually know how effective they are while they're out there, which is like a digital ad, for example. Um, We have have third-party research companies that can help us identify who's been exposed to a digital ad versus who hasn't. And as they're okay. surveying while the campaign is out there, they're saying, "Hey, this video commercial on Hulu is actually doing better than this uh, video commercial that's running on I don't know, and uh, name of Wall Street Journal." Um, okay. And we can then adjust our spending accordingly to try to okay. maybe invest more in Hulu. So there's stuff that happens during the during the campaign that happens, and that's on the media perspective, sometimes we have a variety of different commercials or videos or ads that are out there. We can also understand which are resonating better with people and pair those back and increase others. So there's a lot that happens there. And then the fine at the end, we get to a post analysis where you look at literally every single media channel, every single ad and with that third party research company and our research and data team, they're like they give us the numbers and then it's on us to make sense of everything so it's a lot
0: okay <laughs> it is a lot so do you work you're within the the okay the marketing department i'm just trying to understand mm-hmm. like super super basic like is there a marketing department is there someone that works with just ads or is, are you the person that then works with the ad agency Mm -hmm. Just, I'm trying to get an understanding of like the, the roles and departments that are within the company and then tacking onto that, you said that you are in a position that didn't exist. So maybe do you overlap a few departments and how, I just want to understand how, did you make up that role? Did they come to you? How did that all come about? Sorry, there's several questions (laughs) in
1: one. (laughs) I just got to break that (laughs) down a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> um, so my role, uh, lives within the marketing department, totally nailed okay. it there. And it's a role that exists across the industry. There's just a wild amount of different titles for it because, okay. uh, my role is the director of paid media strategy, or sorry, of media strategy and paid partnerships. And I think it's very specific. I've seen it at other okay. places being called the consumer the mar- consumer marketing manager. Or just the uh, a a blank, just kind of like VP of marketing, which is like my my director's, uh sorry, my my boss's title. So I don't okay. know that there's a set title for it, but um, it does exist <laughs> in a variety okay. of different Good. ways. And <laughs> okay. uh I mentioned that it's it's a new thing to my company because they they literally were were just a data and securities company and now we have this product that allows people to send each other money. Uh, fast, safe, and easily. Um, okay. So within the marketing department, we have a bunch of specialized folks and all of our jobs are really interconnected. So you've got me doing media strategy and and paid partnerships. I, I spoke a lot about the media strategy piece. The paid partnerships part is more, and this is a random little tangent here that I want to clarify. Yeah, The paid partnership side of things, um, those come to life in some of the Sometimes we have our agency work with the vendors. So once they have a budget, once they have the campaign idea, they go and send a bunch of proposals out. They review the proposals and then come back to me with a suggested media plan is what we call them. But okay. having been on the agency side, I have a lot of relationships out there still. So some of the mm-hmm. work that the agency is doing, I'm also doing in-house. We just divide it. Uh, so the paid partnerships okay. piece is when we sponsor a basketball tournament, I'm figuring out how our brand appears within that basketball tournament. like one example that I'll give you is like where the mechanism for a basketball tournament that happens in the summer where they used to roll out a big check, a $2 million check for the winning team, our service, yeah. we came up with the idea of like, why use that check? And why have these, these these, these winners just kind of deal with the obnoxiousness of a carrying a big check, but be waiting for the actual <laughs> checks to hit their mailboxes. Why don't we, When the game is over, the team wins, they hoist up the trophy, we actually send them their two million dollars in winnings via our service. So there's love it. Yeah, and it's done. Yeah, they're happier that way too. Exactly. They're all looking at their phones (laughs) like, oh my god, it's there. So it's
0: actually there. Exactly.
1: There's no there's no waiting for a check to come at you and then depositing it. So that's that that I think was the epitome of paid partnership for me. Because a, we paid to be there, of course, and be woven into the narrative of the tournament. Um, but B, like the the tournament was getting a huge value that our brand was providing. Like, all, yeah. everyone was so thrilled um, because people got paid at multiple points. The winners at the regional round got a chunk of money, and then the winners obviously mm-hmm. got the two million dollars. And then there was a mechanism for fans to also win a part of that two million dollars. So we were just sending money all over the place um, wow. within minutes after. After folks were confirming that they won. So that's the paid partnership side. And I know that's a huge tangent, but getting back to your question, my yeah. role, uh, I have other directors as counterparts. So we have like a director of communications who manages all like the, 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 the media relationships, or I guess anytime that there's news happening, um, about our product and, you know, working in a peer to peer transfer space for like that folks are susceptible to fraud and scams. So yeah, she helps kind of reach out to local news stations or like she'll be interviewed by by publications anytime that we're asked for a point of view. Anytime there's one of those cases that's happening kind of like in the in the general public. And then we have a social media manager who's in the trenches when it comes to having a dialogue with folks who are posting about us or who are writing on our channels. And then we have a director of, of content that means you know, anytime someone, anytime you want to put like a thought leadership piece out there um, or talk about trends that are happening within the category, she's working with some freelance writers and doing some of the writing herself to craft those pieces. And those ultimately get posted on our blog or they'll make it through to our like social channels. So there's other people in the marketing department happen- like moving or managing different levers of what the consumer experiences. Our brand because ultimately the marketing department lives under the consumer experience kind of like business okay. uh, at the company. Because, like I said, we're a data and securities company above all else, so there's programmers, developers, there's folks who are working directly with banks. Um, because we're I get super nerdy here or sidetracked, but yeah. my company originally started, they were the ones who were who vetted checks basically so if i wrote you a check and i'm at bank of america and gave it to you mm-hmm. and you deposited it at wells fargo wells would ping my company to uh say yes josh is a person and you can release some of those funds to, to kate okay while the check clears so we were just okay. yeah we we're kind of in that so- that old school space which is why peer-to-peer money transfer made sense got it
0: Yeah, so your role basically just came to be because of the necessity of growing and adapting to the 21st century and how everything's digital.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Josh, what do you enjoy most about your role?
1: Uh, There's two sides of it, which I'm pretty sure you can guess. One is the relationships. I feel very much a relationship person and I got to where I got to by building those relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. So being able to show up, like I, I alluded to my boss, and and you know, obviously, her willingness to hear me out when stuff is stuff is tough. Um, being able to 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 think of her as a, a mentor and a friend and someone who's been a big part of my life, like that's that to me is really fulfilling. On one side of the coin, the other side of the coin kind of falls into um, those paid partnerships and and the kind of like nerdy stuff about my job because I really appreciate the consumer and the behavioral psychology of things and how Mm -hmm. it manifests and how we and I bring it to life. I'll give you another quick example. Um, (laughs) This isn't, this isn't how we judge our paid partnerships, um, but it's fun when all of these worlds kind of come into one for me. And what I mean by that is we figured out and I alluded to the old, you know, experience way that people would experience music or the way that we traditionally think about experiencing music is you go to a show or you go to a music festival and you're there with friends and yada, yada. And our service is inherently built for you to be able to just transact with each other or send each other money um, Mm -hmm. as you're spending. So music festivals are a big deal to us because there's so many use cases between splitting tickets, paying each other back for food and concessions that um, last summer we were like, "Hey, we're going to make an effort to be there and 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 tell folks that you know we're there." So we don't want to be in those environments and just like shout at people and have like a stereotypical booth or or just signage. We want to figure out yeah. how to be there and how to positively impact someone's experience. So uh, last summer in New York, there's a festival festival called Governor's Ball, and thinking about that that paid partnership was like, "Well, we know we want to be there, and how do we be there in a way that's unique?" And different and meaningful so in order for you to get to said festival since it's on uh on randall's island in new york you have to take a ferry and rather than go at it from the angle that maybe like a honda or an american eagle might in which like they have stages and those are like really really big investments because you're the focal point of, of the festival because you're obviously a stage with an artist on it. There's a lot of clutter and there's a lot that goes into like being one of those big brands there. And I'm like, we're not, we're not as known as a Honda and we're not as known as an American Eagle. So how can I make people yeah. understand or experience this brand in a way that's different and not going to break my budget here? So what we figured yeah. out is that if we completely transform the fairy experience Uh, that people were basically stuck with our brand. (laughs) Um, So you would would get to the ferry landing, you'd be surprised by this purple boat, which we just kind of dubbed like the purple party. Because once you got on Mm -hmm. the boat, not only was the boat skinned uh, purple, um, purple is the color of our brand, Once you got on the boat, you were surprised and delighted by the fact that it was like a pre-party to your festival. So you were riding with us basically and our DJ and our hype people and all of the other folks who are getting really like riled up for the festival as you're kind of like immersed um, with our signage and all that sort of stuff. And it, it was just fantastic because we had a whole bunch of folks posting social media about like the purple party and taking off like taking getting off the boat with our swag that. It was a, a way for us to make a lasting impact, an initial impression for folks, um, without yeah. having to be within the clutter of the festival. And why I said that that ties into a whole bunch of things that are fulfilling to me is I love riding on boats and partying. <laughs> so, <laughs> selfishly, selfishly, like a, it worked really well for our brand, and it was derivative. It was derived on 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 insights in our overall campaign strategy. But for me to be yeah. on that boat drinking a beer in summertime in New York, I'm kind of like, man, life is good.
0: <laughs> this is just yeah. it's perfect. How did these things come to you? I mean, is this – is just the creative environment that you're in, is it training your eye to see these opportunities? Or again, Josh, are you just good at this?
1: <laughs> I'd like to say I'm just good at this. Um, no, i just, just kid partially kidding, partially not. I feel pretty good at my job, which, which is really nice to say. But at the same time, uh, there, there's a method to the madness because I can't just go to our CMO and say, hey, we're going to do this festival because it makes sense. And because I think it's going to be awesome and, 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 and impact people the right way. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I did say that. But in order to do so and to back that up, there is a whole storyline around how music is important to the people that we want to reach and how uh, spending time with uh, your friends and family in that environment creates just kind of like that, 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 that warm emotive feelings. And if our brand is there, we can partake in that experience and we can have people think of us when they are in that moment in which they might like pay each other back for a beer. Um, so there's, there's an underlying story, underlying data that says like, this is an actual behavior that's important. And to be there at that critical juncture um, and in the headspace where people are paying each other back is important. Um, so Great. we're combining we're combining a whole bunch of things that that validate that notion. And to your point about the the idea, that's where I think the relationships come in because a lot of vendors that we work with have cookie cutter packages that brands can go in mm-hmm. and they can sponsor. You can slap a logo on something and have someone say a tagline, and that can be that. But if you're able to to form really open relationships that in, in which like everyone feels respected and you write a good brief and you send it to someone, they feel comfortable enough calling you back and bouncing ideas off of you. And you can have that dialogue and then you can pull in an agency person to bring in another perspective. And you kind of work through those discussions with an open mind and not kind of on the defensive to only accomplish right. what you want. Like you listen to the vendor, they know their audience, they know what people respond well to. And, and you kind of work through it in a way that is beneficial to everyone. And I think the best activations, the best things I've ever done with this brand and any brand have really come to fruition, a from like the data and insides piece, but also like the Holy crap, can we do something that's really cool and new for folks without it mm-hmm. feeling forced? And sometimes yes. you have some, you have some tough conversations because ultimately a vendor is still kind of going to be a vendor. And sometimes they come at it from like, Oh my God, can we, uh, can we get them to spend more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a, I think that's a part of the relationships piece too. Awesome.
0: What is the most un- misunderstood thing about your job?
1: Uh, that all- <laughs> Or marketing in general? In general. I think this is, uh, it- man, this is such a funny question to me because when I think about misunderstood careers, I think of my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because she still tells her friends that I make commercials (laughs) or that I'm in commercials, which is not really not the case. I'm in no commercials. I've directed nor produced any commercials. I've worked (laughs) with folks who do that. And some of my job provides inputs into those things that are creative. But if you ask my mom, she's still telling people that, that, that I'm in commercials, which is not, not true. So that's like a, a, uh, a random little side anecdote. Um, On a more serious note, I'm going to think what is the most misunderstood thing about my job. Um, It used to be back when digital media was just taking off, people would be like, oh, you're the reason that pop-ups exist like no hmm. no I, I i'm not like i work in the ad space it's all
0: your fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: like i work in advertising and media and just because you don't like pop ups that has nothing to do with me that's a that's just an internet yeah. research public not internet research that's an internet website sort of thing i'm trying to think here um i don't know i think i i think i have some more like any anytime I think of misunderstandings uh, on this job, like I don't know that I've run into a lot of them. I think some folks often think that are that 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 folks on the vendor side are too salesy and too pushy. But mm-hmm. I mean that's like any sort of sales job. You're gonna run into some folks who really have an agenda and and, and aren't really yeah. flexible.
0: I think that just comes back to the hard versus soft skills. Yeah. I I know my background in sales. I think sales touches everything though, but it it all comes down to relationships and we've all been in those like just your skin crawls with <laughs> the textbook sales techniques, but if they actually were to like tap into human talking to human and I have something that you actually would benefit from. Yeah. It's not me trying to get one up. I think it that's just again, hard versus soft skills and learning from previous experiences,
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, poor folks on the sales side who don't see that 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 softer skill being like the the real benefit. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. I think as sometimes I don't know human nature. I get frustrated by people, um, but yeah, taking a step back and just being like, oh, man, just the soft skills. I know. Yeah, I don't I know. know. It's, it's hard to really say what I'm getting at here, but uh, yeah. Anyway.
0: I think we know. Uh, Switching gears a little bit. So obviously we are just reopening after this quarantine period due to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. How has your job changed during all of this?
1: Oof. So I think, not I think, I know for a fact, like the way that we, the way that we plan we're basically planning 6 months in advance of anything hitting the market or anything being out there in the public for folks to see. <sighs> so before the pandemic hit, the way that our brand was going to be out there in the world was pretty much we had developed by like early yeah. January. Ugh. Yeah, and and 6 months of work had gone into that. So once February, March Started rolling around, we literally had to just practically scrap everything. Um, right. A lot of the work that we do is is out of home advertising, which you'll you know if you're in New York, like Times Square is the mecca of out of home advertising. And uh, right. if you're like basically anywhere, if you're in Los Angeles, it might be L A Live, and you see brands as you're walking into Staples Center and going to a basketball game. So much of what we do is just not in the realm of human behavior when it comes to leaving (laughs) the home. So we had to scrap all that. And there was a lot of confusion that was happening because with the shift in folks not leaving their homes, with not going to restaurants, not paying each other back for, for splitting meals, like that sort of thing. That is a lot of what Mm -hmm. our product is, is, is based on. Um, A lot of folks on my side, were just kind of like, we have to pull back and we're not going to do anything until holiday. We need to, with the world to stabilize um, in order for us to be out there. Like we got to be there when people start leaving their homes again. And right. unexpectedly, like, after, of course, kind of dealing with the 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 frustrations and and the sadness of scrapping six months of work, it we kind of redug our heels in and 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 with our agencies started to do an analysis of what happens when major recessions happen. Do brands, are brands better off going away? Do people Mm -hmm. up their spend? Do they maintain their spend? What should an emerging brand do? So uh, Mm -hmm. they pulled a lot of research. I dug around a bunch and we built a business case saying that in some sort of capacity, our brand needs to be back out here by summertime. So we're in the midst of that right now. But when I think about how we usually approach this thing, it's always looking at behaviors that are happening Uh, across the people that we're trying to reach now it's it's still that but now it needs to have an inherently like a built-in layer of flexibility so if we are going to do any out-of-home advertising it needs to be reactive to say another wave of this pandemic happening and people sheltering in place or like cities closing down again and it's like can you take that money and can you shift it somewhere else or do you build some sort of advertising campaign that's only rooted in content that people consume, so we know everyone's streaming things these days, mm-hmm. and that's really nice. That we're only going to appear there if people are doing that thing. We don't incur costs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, good. Yeah, if if, if someone isn't ah. seeing our our Hulu spot, for example, so we look, we we try to find ways that allow us to be in front of folks now it's not so situational as it would be. Whereas like you might see us if you're walking Mm -hmm. around Brooklyn and you're bar hopping, you might see like a painted wall that has our brand on it that goes away. Now it's like, can we adjust? Do we even change our, how do we change our messaging to say, Hey, if you're splitting groceries with your neighbor, if uh, you're, you're, you're splitting your utility bills with your, with your housemates, like think of us. So, Thankfully, we have other ways in, and there's a variety of different ways in which people send each other money. It's less leaning yeah. into the the entertainment that happens outside of your home, and now it's more focused on, hey, that person that you know and love. Like right? this is obviously like a really emotional way in, but like you might know someone who you need to send money to, and you need it to get there fast, safe, and easy. Um, yeah, you know, think about us.
0: Awesome, so good. That, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, where do you see it going in the future? I think that kind of sums it up right there of just seeing one step at a time, what's happening, but it's just amazing that you guys were able to switch your research and look at in the past, what's happened to brands and businesses and what should we do rather than just this gut response of, oh my gosh, we need to just stop everything now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a tough dialogue to have because I mean our sea our, our level, our our board, that was the reaction. It was like, nope, you gotta mm-hmm. pull everything, you gotta shut it down, people aren't gonna do it. Stop wasting money. And it's like, no, no, well we just have to modify it. We it doesn't necessarily just have to fully go away.
0: Oh, but it's so hard because I think that's just been everyone's experience yeah. is like freeze until we know what to do. So
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing
0: you have a uh, different, ex- different perspectives in there. The
1: thing is, yeah, absolutely. I think the different perspectives are helpful. And I think that just know we don't know what it's going to be like. The only thing you can do is like you only work with what's in front of you. And that's what, yeah. we're, that's what we're trying to do.
0: Oh goodness, Josh. This is so good. <laughs> it's so it's good. wild world out there. Um. I know. So, last question I have for you: What is the best career advice you've ever received? I know you mentioned what your coworker Matt had told you before about showing up when you're in the room. Any other career advice that has really shaped where you've your journey in your career?
1: Yeah, another question I love. Um, I'm going to answer it more of like a, a coming at it from like a soft perspective. I think. Um, Like much of life, a lot of it is trial and error. There's only so much you can control. There's only so much you can predict. There's only so much you can map out. Um, To to be able to put yourself in these situations with an open mind, I've found wildly helpful because I've never, I'm a planner by nature. I'm a planner by career, but I Mm realized the more I can understand that I can set an intention and I can have an idea of what I want, just the steps in getting there, I'm gonna have to be flexible on. I'm gonna have to be adaptive Mm. too. And that was really hard for me in my 20s. That was really hard for me in which I got laid off a few times and I wasn't sure if I could get to the places that I wanted to go or I couldn't quite see it clearly if I wanted to keep chasing this. And um, not being able to have that clarity allowed me to just kind of find different ways in or be able to take little bits of support and help that were given to me by people who were offering it. Um, and that was really helpful. I, I think if I was more rigid in, in my planning and if I needed it to be a certain way that I would have probably just spun myself around in circles and never have been, never felt like I'm doing it quote unquote right. Um, so by having yeah. an open mind and, and, and by being willing to try things out without necessarily knowing if they're going to go the way that you want them to go is, is something that I found really helpful.
0: Oh my goodness. That's that just
1: like <laughs> life <answer>
0: lesson <laughs> right there in all areas. It's that, I don't know. It feels very like Buddhist. Allow, um, allow yeah. it to just sit in your hand. <laughs> it's, it's the how of it that we don't know, but if it's the loose, goal, I guess, of just like this is this is how I'd like to feel, this is what I'd like to do, but how I get there,
1: yeah. I don't know. You don't know. You just it's so good. You show up in every moment and you try to learn what you can learn and help it inform what you do next. Um oh that's so good. Yeah. It's a process. Josh, it's all thank process. you. Yeah thank it you It is all
0: a process. Oh goodness well I think that's a wrap on <laughs> episode one. Thank you so much to Josh for being my first guest and just sharing your role and your career and your experience and your little nuggets of wisdom. You guys, I'm so excited to continue these conversations. And if you're enjoying, hit subscribe. There'll be more of these coming and I can't wait to see you next time. Have a good one.